And I want to welcome you to our second week. Last week, we had our children. How many enjoyed our children last week? Yeah. Amazing. And when it is our second installment, be here now. We want to do something different this, this holiday season because we know that Christmas is here and we know everyone's busy. Hello. I'm back up. All right. I can talk with my hands. I'm a New Yorker. All right. There you go. I feel different that way. Anyway, and we know that uh, everyone seems to be just stretched thin because they're going shopping, buying stuff you really don't like for people to put in, your gar- in the garage. And then we come around for garage sales, and we buy the gifts cheap because their houses are full. And it's a joke. I enjoy the holidays. I love Christmas. I'm really excited uh, this Christmas season. Every day um, that I'm alive on this earth, how about that? That it's a, it's a good day. How about that? And I'm really excited. So what we want to do is really give you a scripture, give you a uh, series about being here now, trying to focus and bring into focus what Christmas is really about. Because we can get lost, as we heard this morning, in the shopping and all the things that we do. And how many have been to about 4.5 parties already? And we can get caught up in that and we forget. And what I wanted to do today was talk about, because this is supposed to be the most joyous time of the year. But for some, it isn't. Because the holidays have a way of magnifying the good and also magnifying the negative. Everything that seems to go wrong during the year is magnified during the time of joy. And it really, it happens during this type of holiday because really it's a spiritual holiday of Jesus being born on the earth and God becoming man and really recognizing that God invaded our style here on earth to, to bring us a blessing and bring us healing and bring us reconciliation and bring us salvation. But life, as the message is today, life has a way of letting you down. It can let you down. In the midst of when everyone's excited and everyone's ready to go and, and your mind is going, I just lost my job. My marriage is not doing well. I'm in debt. Kids don't seem to be respecting me. I got more month than my money. And I don't know what to do, but I'm called to celebrate. And what I want to help you with today, during the holiday season, because what this is about really is at the core of Christmas, it's about the presence of God. Jesus became fully man and fully God and came to earth. So we become sons and daughters of him. And it's about presence. And I want to help you during this season to find strength and hope in the midst of whatever you're going through. I had a man, we had a man this week show up to one of our men's breakfasts that we have on Tuesday mornings. And he was saying his suicide rates are high in our county. And I heard someone in prison, they said in prison, they had a few attempts this, this, this season, and one was successful. What causes that? 
Well, sometimes you get so discouraged because it's supposed to be a bright time in your life. It becomes a dark time in your life, people's lives. And some of us are not immune to that. So the whole focus today is how we can be present with God, be here with God, and find strength in him in the midst of it. Because life will let you down. How many agree? But the God we serve did not let you down. So I'm going to take you to a story. I love the stories in the Old Testament, and I'm going to weave Jesus into it, but it's about David, King David. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and you, if you know the story, you probably learned it in Sunday school, I'm hoping, and it's a, a time in David's life that, you know, David was anointed king at 16 years old. He didn't become king until 30. In the midst of all that, he served a very king who wanted to kill him. What a life. And he was on the run from this king for his life for about eight years. And David got, had good moments and he had bad moments. He got discouraged and he actually left the realms of Israel to hide out from this evil king. And some of the writers said that David got out of position and God had to put him in position. But I want to talk about his, his emotional state in the midst of a time where he should have been feeling victorious because he was, anointed. he was a king. But he just wasn't the king yet, and he was running for his life. And the story takes place in, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 3 through 8. It's about David and about 600 of his men. And it's a place called Ziglag. And he was there about a year and four months. And it starts here and says, When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. That's some crying, isn't it? David's two wives also were taken, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, circle that. Because this is what happened. For the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul. Circle that. Each for his sons and daughters. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. And David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Hamelech, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered them, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake, and you shall surely rescue. Three things when you read this story that we see what David did that helps us today. First, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Second, he inquired of the Lord. And third, he employed his gifts to help other people. Here's a, not a formula, but when you're in a time of trouble, this is how David was able to answer and respond, not to react to tragedy. How many of you might be feeling like you're living zigzag now? Everything you know has been burned. Everything's been seemed like it's just in just seemed like in just in shambles. Well, David, one thing about zigzag, it was a city that was given to him back in chapter 27. When David came over, left the king that was chasing him, left the influence of Israel, and went into the Philistine camp to hide out there and do some work 
undercover, but he was a little discouraged. And they gave him a city called Ziglag, him and 600 of his men. And Ziglag, you look at it, if you look at the story, it left him what? Wounded, hurt, bitter, disillusioned, frustrated, and disappointed. Because everything they know was burned and, and gone. Everything he knew at that point was gone. But then David did the very first thing that's amazing, which sometimes when we're having trouble or issues, we kind of forget the season. The number one thing you can do is what? Encourage yourself in what? The Lord. How many love to talk to themselves? No one talks to themselves? No one's telling the truth. You talk to yourself all the time. Because what he's talking about encouraging him means to be strengthened, to prevail, to be strong, to become strong. Talking to God, encouraging yourself in the Lord. How many have been in a place that no one understands? And then, you know, as a king and as a leader, when all trouble seems to come upon you, everyone responds different. You're already feeling the hurt of your own issues, but then you're starting to feel the hurt of everyone else's issues, but then everyone else starts to blame you because you're the leader. And that's part of leadership. But he learned to encourage himself in the Lord. Can you imagine David? Because he said he was distressed. He was the emotional state he was in. Everything he knew was flattened. Sound like Christ when he came on the earth. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that was not the best city. I mean, Nazareth, it wasn't the best city in the world. Things were wrong. Sound like today. This week. Especially a couple days ago, we lost a four-year-old. How many? That hurt. In the midst of shopping. Just things seem to be out of place. But you encourage yourself. Can I imagine David talking to himself? Now, to talk to yourself is kind of amazing. This is how I do it. I said, self, why are you so down? Why are you so down? What is the deal with you, self? And then I put this on sometime. I listen to this. Let me see if it's here. Nope, there ain't it. How many know that song? Y'all want to hear it? It took his breath away, holding the bank page. He got the letter. Who's that? That's my man, Mark. That's my man, Matt Carney. You say, Pastor Richard, black dude listen to white dude. Yeah. <laughs> what it is, because I have to get away and get with God. And I got to walk around and say, God, I know things are rough. Things just seem to go wrong. And he'll say, and I will say, but I remember your word. I remember that I'm called. I remember that I'm chosen. I remember that you say you'll never leave me or you will never forsake me. I believe that I was chosen by you, not by man. I believe that I'm the head and not the tail. All those things in my, in my closet or in my house, I'm screaming out. I'm listening to Matt Carney. Just listen to whoever. And I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. So I came in my house down. I leave out there like I'm on cloud nine. And I scream out the pain, the hurt, 
the disappointment, and he can handle it. And he sends strength and courage. And then I kind of forget what I was upset about. I kind of really forget what I was upset about. Because here's the thing, guys. In the midst of this, David have two choices. You can either become bitter or you can become better. When you become bitter, you don't hear from God any longer. You're shut off. You go through the motion of life, but life is overtaking you because you're so bitter and you're so caught up in yourself. So when I'm encouraging myself in the Lord, God gives me a better perspective on life. Because, you know, can I be real with you? Life is just too short to walk around depressed all the time. It really is. I mean, I think when I was little, things were big to me. When I'm older now, it's not so big. It's not so big. Now, there's a place of depression. People have to have medicine for that. I understand that. But when I have a choice to either be bitter or better, I choose better. There was a scripture in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries. Son of God, loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. When you see the word reverence, because of his faith in God. This is a story. This is the picture of Christ. In the garden, how many remember the garden of Gethsemane when he's about to die on the cross for us and his flesh was overtaken and he went out there with his friends, you know the story, and he went to pray and he asked his buds, can you pray with me? And he would get up and he'd go find his friends what? Doing what? He said, can you pray with me one hour? They tried, they fell asleep. He goes back and he's praying. He's in agony. But if you know, if the son of king, the king of kings and law of lords can cry out in tears, why not us? In his worst spot. Here's the thing. And I'm going to say this, and I don't want to offend anybody here. But a lot of times, it's Christmas. A lot of times, we don't want to give up our stuff because it becomes our identity. It becomes part of us. Now, I used to say get over it, but I got compassion. It becomes something that we can hold on to that we get attention with. That's why it's tough. I'd rather be bitter because then you'll pay attention to me. I'd rather be downtrodden because then they'll pay attention to me. You, we're afraid of freedom. He knew. Now here's the answer. How would how did God answer that quest, that that plea? Now he answered it. He gave him the strength to go through it, and the peace in it. Basically, if you cry out that prayer, did Jesus die on the cross? Did God actually save him? Kind of says modern day. God said no. 
Most of the time, like I told you two weeks ago, God doesn't give you a direct answer. He gives you a strategy, what? To give you strength through it and peace in it until he's working it out. And I'm glad he did because we would not be sitting here if he didn't give him that. But I want to help you celebrate the holidays. The hardest thing for you to do is give it up and surrender. Give it to God. Don't wear it around as your badge of honor because it'll kill you faster. It'll kill you faster. Learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Now, I was talking to Elder Terry when I was talking about this message, and he said this. He said, Rich, you know, it's harder said than done. And I know I understand that. Now, it's a way I can talk to you and think, well, Rich, you're so good. No, uh uh-uh. Most of the time when I want to encourage myself, I don't want to do that. I have no, I'd rather turn on Sports Center and eat grape nuts <laughs> and cry over my stuff. What, y'all don't want Sports Center? It's on American. <laughs> grape nuts. That's for old folks. <laughs> y'all laughing. One day you'll be eating them. And I'll be laughing in there in my wheelchair. It's not easy. I don't want to do that. First, I'm angry. I'm mad at the situation. I'm mad at God. But I take this Bible and I sit down. I turn on Matt Carney and I sit there and sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes 15 minutes. Sometimes it takes three days. It isn't easy. But the one thing I saw Jesus, he couldn't depend on people. And sometimes God was put us in a position that people cannot help you. They will not help you because they're so caught up in their own things. He wants you to be with him, present with him fully. Because if I'm not fully present with God, I can't be fully present with you. And that's the hardest thing to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Now, we can blame other people that are not feeding me, but here's the most, where are you going to get the most food? Encouraging yourself in the Lord. Is it easy? No. If it was, everybody would be doing it. And lately for me, it's every day. Because I got some things open I'm trying to hear God on. There's nothing wrong with it, but I feel better about it. Before I came out here, I was in my office listening to, to the uh, anthem, and the guys interrupted me, but it's okay. The spirit <laughs> left the room. I'm like, man, what happened? Get out! Anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, they locked the door. I, I was shaking. Anyway, <laughs> it's okay. Don't feel bad. In the midst of the screaming out, and it's okay to be, see, it's okay to have emotions, but I have to put truth along with, as, my, as my engine and put my emotions in the rear. Because the next thing I need to do is inquire of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. Now, it should be I, but I need E's for this sermon, so get over it. <laughs> and the E, actually, if you're British, they use the E all the time. So, so you act like you're in Britain today. But I'm funny, I'm trying to make you laugh because I sense that so y'all can use a good laugh today. Seeing you on the road, 
Y'all can all use a good laugh. <laughs> Inquire of the Lord. David, in the midst of the guys screaming at him, he's trying to hear God. He asked God a question. He said, bring the ephod. Ephod represents a couple things. Ephod is associated with the presence of God. And the way it's made with the different colors and the, and the, the, the stones in them, the, it represents the 12 tribes of Israel. And also the stones represent, um, talks about light and integrity. And some folks said that was really a replica or a type and figure of Christ, putting on Christ as you put on the garment. Priests really wrote, uh, put the garment on, or the garment was in the tabernacle. I'm not going to go too much into that because you'll get you confused. But he asked for him to bring the ephod to him. Now, David, this is about the first time you hear about him having the ephod. The second time you heard about him, he put the ephod on because it's also representing putting on the garment of praise. When he was bringing the, king, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel, they say he was dancing around with the linen ephod. Brings joy because he's in the presence of God with the Ark of the Covenant, and he's, well, he's in the presence, in his presence, he's excited. But he inquired of the Lord. Guys, in the midst of that, encourage yourself. You got to inquire because you got to know what to do next. We got to know what to do next. We can't go by, I mean, don't make a, don't not make a decision on emotions. Make it on the counsel of the God. Interesting. In chapter 28, the king that he was running from, Saul, at the end of his life. God had left him. And he had a, his, his life start going downhill. He started off strong, he didn't finish strong. And really, you want to know exactly what we're dealing with in society today? Look at Saul's last days. You'll see what it looks like, darkness, hopelessness. David inquired of the Lord. Saul wanted to hear God so bad, he decided to go to a psychic. And God used a psychic and scared her after death to bring the, the prophet up, Samuel. A lot of folks are using either psychic, the horoscopes, or they're self-medicating to feel better. He used a psychic. David used the Lord. Who do you use? Do you use Facebook? Oh, I'm so sorry for you. Or do you use the Lord? Think about it. How many are tired of walking around? Just, uh, these steps will help you. In the year, right? In the year, straw. Now you say this is Christmas. I want you to enjoy Christmas because you follow these steps. You really enjoy Christmas. You'll have a pep in your step, and you can't wait to get some new toys. And I'm already excited because you guys are bringing me cakes and cookies. And man, I have so many cakes and cookies at the house right now. That means I have to eat them all because I have to. <laughs> I must do that. And how many love common sense? When you, you, you would issue, use some common sense, sir. Charles Spurgeon had a great quote when he talked about common sense. 
He said, faith, this is what David was exercising, faith in God. Faith in God is an exercise of what? Sanctified common sense. You set apart, because the church is the called out ones. You're set apart from God. We have a sanctified mindset. So I might as well go to God with a sanctified imagination and common sense. Now, regular emotional common sense will get me in more trouble because I like what I like. And everything I will do outside of God will fit into my realm of who I am or what I want to do. But most of the time I realize whenever I go to God with the sanctified common sense, the stuff he wants me to do, it's not really that comfortable, but it's good for me. How many when you grew up, I don't know, you might be young, had to deal with castor oil? How many, your mom tried, don't even laugh, John, we never did that to you. <laughs> well, I can't tell you now. I'll tell you when you grow up. Anyway, uh, my mother used to give us castor oil. And the old line, if you throw it up, you're going to pick it up. Anyway, but, I don't know, it's child abuse today. And then they give you some orange juice. I hated it. But two days later, I loved it. Y'all going like, I didn't like it, but it was good for me. When I inquire the Lord sometime, guys, can I be real with you? It takes me to a, a bigger place that's uncomfortable. Because the answer is going to take me on the edge of faith. It's not going to, it's not, I can, I can, because if he puts you in a place that you can do it, then you'll take credit for it. But he puts you in a place where you can't do it, where he gets all the credit for it. So when I inquire the law, it's like, you know, you don't want to go, you know the answer. And most of my answers grow up and go. That's how God speaks to me. But to inquire the Lord. So you have common sense that's from him. He tells you what to do. And also, you'll get a better perspective on what's going on today. I've been reading the book of Judges. And, and I'm praying for our nation even more. We're a young nation. But I'm noticing something that I don't know if you see. That in the time of today, our leaders are fighting so much. And there's core issues of mistrust and mis- dishonor that is flowing down to the state. And the state is fighting back and forth. And then it flows down to the cities. And the cities are fighting back and forth. And it goes into the family. And they're fighting back and forth. And Jesus came as a believer. Jesus came on earth to bring not division, but to bring peace. So I'm praying for our nation that if they have peace at the top, we will have peace in the state. We will have peace in the city. We will have peace in our homes, and we'll have peace in our land. But I have to figure that out because I don't want to fight the symptoms. I want to pray for the root. 
And when I'm praying for the root, I'm excited because God never stops and never leaves us hanging. He always comes through with promise. And it says when Jesus came back, the Prince of Peace is here and the government will be upon his shoulders. I don't have to wait to glory day. I can pray for that right now. That's why it's the happiest time. It realizes that sometimes we take, we don't think God's all that powerful. And he's saying for us, to pray for us to go. You seen David, he inquired of the Lord. Number three, he employed his gift to help others. See, God's answer is not for us to sit and wait for him to bring change. God's answer always has a human attached to it. As I tell young men, you want a job? You're full-time, and you believe in God for the great job. Well, your full-time job is to do what? Get a job. That means get up in the morning and go get a job and believe in God to give you the job. But he's not going to just break it and bring it to your apartment. Or I can't sit here and wait for the glory, of, the glory cloud to show up and fix our nation. When the wonderful counselor, mighty God, who came, became man so we could become sons and daughters, give us the opportunity to pray for our nation. Because outside of anything else, guys, Jesus is called the peacemaker, which means it's permanent. We're called to be peacekeepers. That means whatever we keep, whatever we take our hands off, you notice that? Whenever we back out of something, it flares back up. When Jesus goes into something, it stays permanently peaceful, like our souls, like each and every one of us. Employ your gifts to help others. I love that. What do you say? Pursue, overtake, and you'll rescue. He helped the men. And guess what? It wasn't easy for him. He started off with 600. Those guys cried so much, 200 couldn't make the trip. So he went with 400. Then he came back to God's fort about who should get the money. But there was a man in the Christmas story that was able to do everything I just told you in those three things, to encourage himself in the Lord. Excuse me. to inquire of the Lord and to employ his gifts. His name is Jesus, the reason for the season. Matthew 14. We see a time in Jesus' ministry starting to change. He went from people loving him for what he was doing for them to a point of coming against him. He just came out of his hometown where they rejected him. People reject you. They rejected him. Then he found out his cousin was killed, head cut off, put on a platter. Sound like a zigzag moment in his life, didn't it? I'm here to help people. I'm here to really bless people, and they're rejecting me. And then my cousin, who was working with me, gets killed. What do you do? I quit. 
I'm done. I'm leaving. I don't want to be bothered with people any longer. I hate people. That might have been some of our responses. Y'all looked at me strange, like, you don't have those moments? But he did. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. What did he go to do? Encourage himself in the Lord. But when the crowd heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. When he went, came out, two things happened. First, he encouraged himself because he just got rejected because he's fully man, fully God. Okay? Then he inquired of the Lord. This is what God told him to do because he read the Bible. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. And I do everything he's doing. He saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on him. He healed their sick. Now, this was the crowd, the ones who can care less of giving anything back. They were there because he was doing great things for me. He had the license to say, oh, no. I'm, oh, no. He took the gift, the blessing that God had given him, empowered him, commissioned him to help these people who could not help back. How many love giving gifts? How many just love giving gifts? How many people love, what is this? How many people love Logan? How many people, raise your hand real quick. How how many people love Logan's? Y'all so scared to raise your hands. We don't got no college students here. Okay, we got to feed the college students. They won't, they won't come back. Who raised their hand first? Chicago, yeah, you need it. It's okay. Okay. Y'all looking at me, I'm crazy. It's Christmas. Whew, that felt good, man. That's been in my office for six months. I have great intentions, but I got bad memory. (laughs) Did you feel the room go up? Because when we employ our gifts, I'm an exhorter. I like to have fun. To help other people, something changes. The environment changes. That's why we love it so much. But we don't have to wait once a year to do it. In the midst of everything that's going on in my life, I can give you a list. Jesus, too. Rejection. Ziglag. His own foe. Here it is. His own brothers and sisters were going to pick him up because they thought he was crazy. What a family. He didn't hold it against them. This was his Christmas moment because we were his prize. The greatest gift was here on earth fully with us present. To give us the gifts in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the rejection, in the midst of people turning away from him, the same crowd that says, I love him, kill him. In the midst of a divorce, in the midst of your child not respecting you, 
in the midst of losing your job, you can still, God will bring people worse off than you. You can still take the gift that God, that's irrevocable. You don't lose your gift. You might lose some finances. You might lose some people, but you don't lose your gift that you can help other people. That's the fun thing about it. And that keeps you smiling. It keeps you, when's the last time someone really smiled? I noticed you guys lately. And my gift set, that's a drainer. I'm like, oh, man, what happened? What happened? What happened to the kid you couldn't wait to get up 5 o'clock in the morning and see those toys? Y'all are like, ooh, that's too early. <laughs> Fake it. Reason why I was getting up 5 o'clock in the morning for a temporary gift, but God gave us a permanent gift. So I'm really having fun. Now, things, I just told you why life like it is. It'll get worse. It's because that's what a life looks like without God. Now, they will seek psychics. They will seek the horoscopes. They will seek all these things trying to fix our nation. But the only one, the only one, the only person in the world who is not just an entity, he's a person, can fix, is Jesus Christ. And that's why we have the joy, because he's the hope of the world, which makes his church, since we're part of his body, we are the hope of the world, which is a big challenge, but I get to laugh because it isn't going to be by my good personality. It's going to be by the power of God. Heal the sick. Did he feel like it? How many notice that people come your way when you don't feel like it? know why he does that? To pull you out of your mess. I learned this growing up. My dad taught me this. You want to help yourself? Help others first. What Jesus did, he sought the fellowship, the solace, and the guidance from God. He went away. (laughs) Remember I was talking about being all there? I said that earlier because if you're not all there with Christ, you cannot be all there for people. You can't. It isn't a fake smile. It's a smile because you know you were Christ today. It's not a Sunday event. And the way God is working around here in our planet, we can't wait. I mean, you can't wait for one day, can you? You got to do it every day. Every day. Three things I want to show you on how we can consistently stay strong in the Lord. Write these down real quick. It's just a normal, practical thing, guys, that you can start this evening or this afternoon. First one is learn to practice the presence of Jesus. Remember I talked about talking to yourself? How many love our 15-minute town? You can talk to God. You can talk to Christ anywhere in your car. If someone's looking at you, that means they'll leave you alone if you're talking to someone. There's no one sitting there but Jesus. Just say, try to figure out a communication with him. Don't wait till you got to go to your prayer closet. Sit in your car and talk to him. You don't have to make an appointment for him. But you got to practice that. In the midst of all the craziness, you got to practice that. 
Second thing is, understand that your circumstances are not the measure of Jesus' love for you. This is one I have to deal with all the time. Did I I do something wrong? No, you did everything right. I just want to take you to a higher place. Especially when I learn about people. I love people. I love relationships. But I notice they change a lot. And one thing my teacher told me, he said, you know something, Rich, that two things are going to be constant in your life. That's change. The books you read and the close relationships you have. Because as you're growing, you're hoping your friends grow with you. And most of the time I have relationships like that. But the ones who don't want to, it was a disconnect. But let me give you something. God loves you. He's not killing you, trying to kill you. And what you did wrong had nothing to do with how much he loves you. You can't do anything to make God love you more. You can't do anything to make God love you less. Third thing is, consciously open yourself up to Jesus' power, presence, and love. When? Not when in the most difficult of times. That's when you go into the cave. Men, you love the cave. Go into your cave. Get away. But see, in the midst of circle, do it every day. Five minutes in your car. God works quick. Ten minutes here, a conversation. You know, I say, thank you, Jesus, you got me home the other day when the guy almost ran the red light. Had me crying. I'm like, whoa, save me. Who was I talking to? There was no one on the car. I was talking to Jesus who's with this. Reason why he's more than a baby, he come here to have his presence manifested in our lives every single day. So be here with him now. Everyone stand. This has been an unorthodox message for me. I want to have fun. But zigzag represents a lot of us. Everyone has something going on. And you might think life doesn't treat you fair. But some of you, I see you today. You said that last year and you're here today. Here's the thing. Ziklag in the Hebrew meant winding. But it was also a transition spot from where the Philippines camp was. The Philippines, yeah, not Philistines. Thank you, Philippines. I got to go to Philippines. Philistine camp until the Israel's camp, where he was, David was going to become king. It was a transition point to get him ready to become the king, of, to be the king. A lot of us take our zigzag moments and make that the dead end. It's not the dead end. It's actually a transition place into the next big thing. But you got to make the transition. It's not the dead end. Zigzag was not a dead end. In fact, God will take your zigzag, destroy it, so you can't go back. You can't go back because there's nothing there. Keep moving forward. As Evie Hill said, if you're catching hell, let it go. If you're walking through hell, keep walking. Don't make that our season the dead end. 
Devil thought that Jesus died on the cross, that was the dead end. It was just the beginning. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? He died on the cross for people who were uh, complete zigzags, a mess. Rose again the third day to bring us salvation. Salvation for us is one day. Walking it out with Christ is every day. And he says, the joy set before him. He was going down a road to save each and every one of us. So you are special. And the circumstances you have have nothing to do with your love for Christ. Now I want to celebrate because it's a time to celebrate. The king of kings and the Lord, he's not dead. He's not Buddha. He's not a God who's dead that we had to carry to the graveyard. In fact, he took us from the graveyard and he gave his life. So give the Lord a hand clap for life. Do better than that. Do better than that. Do better than that. Come on. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Our Lord is risen. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Woo! Let's praise the Lord as we close. Come on, somebody. It's Christmas. God is not dead. God saved us from the innermost. We were all zigzags, but he raised us up with him. And to sit in heavenly places, and we're sitting with him. Woo! I'm excited. It's more than a hype. It's the truth. It's the love of God that surpasses all our understanding, all our thinking, how much he loves us. Regardless of what you did this morning, let's praise the Lord.